4: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio.
0: Boom! What
5: up, America?
6: Doug Gottlieb Show, live and direct from the City of Angels welcoming in your phone calls 877-996-6369 877-99 on Fox at Gottlieb show is the Twitter handle don't you forget it feel free to tweet me and uh we will respond on air Steve Lavin the lavinator will join us Lavin the Lazarus former UCLA St. John's uh he comes somewhere else too he's St. John no just oh, no he was an assistant Purdue. UCLA St. John's head coach, just legendary schools, East and and West Coast. Uh, Steve Lavin will join us uh, right here on The Doug Gottlieb Show in 15 minutes. We'll ask him why Mark Elfoltz couldn't win as we get ready for the NBA draft, which is Thursday night. And Thursday night, we're going to have a show, which if you're watching on Facebook Live right now, you'll be able to see us on Facebook Live as well as hear us on Fox Sports Radio on the iHeart app. What a night! What a night! No, I'm not talking about a Dodger you couldn't pick out of a lineup hitting his 22nd home run of the year. Uh, I'm not talking about anything baseball, nothing football. The basketball offseason has lasted all of, what, a week? And it's already more interesting than the basketball playoffs. And by the way, frankly, more interesting than the baseball offseason. Remember, like, baseball hot stove league used to be incredibly important and intriguing, and it just wasn't really this year? Right? Wasn't? Oh, we have some good stuff. Leaked out Paul George wanted to be dealt. Now the Lakers and Pacers are already talking trade. Right? So Paul George probably headed to the Lakers, forcing his way to Lakers. And the only question is, what could the Pacers possibly want outside of that number two overall pick, which the Lakers aren't going to part with, in order to land them, Paul George, an asset which is depreciating by the day? But the big news is what happened in Cleveland. Cleveland has been to three straight NBA finals. David Griffin is, in fact, their general manager, or was up until last night when they parted company. They were in a contract dispute to which my thought yesterday at this very same time was, if you get the Paul George deal done, if you get the Jimmy Butler deal done, then you can't fire him. Oops. LeBron James tweets out how much he, even if no one else did, He really respected David Griffin, which leads everybody to think LeBron's the good guy. Ownership, the bad guy. LeBron say, I didn't want him gone. But is that what LeBron said? Or did LeBron say, even if no one else appreciated you, I did. Did David Griffin bring in LeBron James? No. Did David Griffin bring in Tristan Thompson? No. No. Did David Griffin bring in Kyrie Irving? No. The Kevin Love deal was kind of already prearranged. And so while David Griffin is in fact a good guy, and it is in fact a difficult job, it wasn't as if David Griffin was killing it. Now, some of it is bad luck. He made the Cal Corver move, which all of us are like, well, that's a hell of a move, right? I mean, arguably the best pure shooter in the league. You can make the argument. I'm not talking about player who's a shooter. It's like, Klay Thompson's a better basketball player and a really good shooter. But if just if you line guys up, you're like, who's the best guy at making a three? Kyle Corver's in every discussion. You need a shooter. You need that kind of puzzle piece. You bring him in. Like, what a great move. Kyle Corver and Pia drop in the NBA Finals. And this is what happens. Guy makes shots. You're a hero. Guy missed shots. Who went out and got that guy? Some of it is whether he felt compelled to, whether he was pushed to. LeBron's guys or his agent's guys all got taken care of. Tristan Thompson, huge deal. J.R. Smith, huge deal. Kevin Love, max deal. And even if those numbers now look more reasonable in comparison to the current day contracts, at the time in which, the, in the context of the time in which they were signed, they, they were not great deals. LeBron called him out mid-season talking about the roster, and while he may have been mentioning to the ownership group, hey, you need to spend more money, they spent more money than anybody in the NBA. Did they spend smartly? So I don't want to canonize David Griffin as if he's some heroic figure who lost his job tragically last night. He did a nice job, but he kind of arrived at a team that had LeBron, Kyrie, Tristan... And the Kevin Love deal, like, I was all done. What all did he do? And while LeBron James wants to act like he's the the good guy in this whole thing, right? If if LeBron James wanted David Griffin to be the general manager, David Griffin would be the general manager. That, that's the way it works. It, he doesn't have to have said, he doesn't have to have fired him. He doesn't have to have said, picked up the phone and said, fire that guy right effing now. Like, that, no, that didn't have to happen. But if arguably the best player in the world and probably the second best basketball player or third best basketball player I've seen in my lifetime says, David Griffin's my gentleman. He does the, remember uh, Jimmy Chitwood from Hoosiers? You guys remember Jimmy Chitwood from Hoosiers? You know, they're going to fire the coach and then Gene Hackman's the coach and everybody votes and the coach is fired and Jimmy walks in, hold my basketball, stands up there think like, I think it's time to start playing some ball. Everybody goes crazy and says, oh, but there's one more thing. Coach goes, I go. Coach stays, I stay, right? Like, he didn't even have to do that. If he did that, I mean, David Griffin would still be the general manager. And lo and behold, like Chauncey Billups is probably going to be the new guy who's never been a general manager, never worked in the front office, but, of course, Mr. Big Shot, 15 years in the NBA, covering the NBA this year, smart, savvy, well-respected, be fine. And so while people are freaking out, LeBron is leaving. LeBron is gone. He's mad. No, he's not. This is what happens with LeBron. When, when he loses, it's always somebody else's fault. Right? Ah, Kevin Love wasn't good enough. Right? Remember when they lost in Miami? The first time it was his fault. But after that, Dwayne Wade's knee, Chris Bosh too soft, just not good enough. Just not good enough supporting cast. That's what happened the first year when they lost. And, and, and in fact, it was accurate. Kyrie got hurt. Kevin Love got hurt. They lost to the Warriors in six. Same thing this year. Kevin Love's not good enough. Surrounding Peace's not good enough. Kyle Korver can make shots general manager's got to go. So the LeBron soap opera continues and he keeps his hands clean of everything. And it's interesting because LeBron's favorite movie is in fact The Godfather and much like the head of a mob organization that you can't there's too many different layers to get to in order to pin it on Vito Corleone. But what a fascinating fascinating night in the NBA. Like, they just reached the finals three straight years, and you're like, alright, well, what are they going to do next? Fire the general manager. Wait, wait. And, and there's talk of trading Kyrie Irving. You're like, wait, wait, wait. Is the lake on fire now figuratively as opposed to literally like it was 25 years ago? There's a historic note. There was a time in which Lake Erie, which Cleveland resides upon, was so polluted that it act- the lake actually caught on fire. That actually happened in our lifetime. That was literally, now figuratively. And the idea of Chauncey Billups, which is people sit there and go, like, well, that 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 couldn't work. That couldn't happen. Okay, Tyron Liu had barely been an assistant coach, and in midseason they changed and that worked. So why wouldn't this work? Griffin had been a general manager before but when you haven't been a player, you don't have the feel of a player. You don't have the relationships of a player. And the only question for Billups would be, would he be able to or willing to have those hard conversations, not just cutting dudes, but telling Tristan Thompson, you may be worth this, but we gotta, we, maybe we're X, but we got to pay you Y so that we can go out and get other guys who are worth X. But it is fascinating to watch teams, especially the Cavs, try and keep up with the Joneses, try and stay one step ahead of it. But all this talk that LeBron is headed to LA, he may well head to Los Angeles. He might. Got a house here. There's the Lakers. There's the Clippers. There's the idea of raising your kids here. He might. It could happen. But but knowing that it's going to happen a year before it happens when they haven't hired a replacement G- GM just because of one tweet to which LeBron wasn't brought in. They didn't ask him if he wanted David Griffin fired. If he didn't want David Griffin fired, David Griffin would be the general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Period. End
5: of story. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
6: Let's welcome Steve Lavin, former UCLA head coach, of course, former head coach of St. John's as well, Fox Sports College basketball analyst, who I've I've done, I think we did five NBA drafts together, uh, Lav. Um, If you were taking number one overall, regardless of team, let's just say, you had to pick a player in this draft, who is it?
7: I'd go with uh, Josh Jackson.
6: Hmm. Why?
7: I like uh, the versatility, um, but again, if... It's based on a team and their roster and personnel that needs a quarterback or an orchestrator, uh, a pass-first point guard, then you go with Lonzo Ball. If it's a team that's solid at the point and is looking for a perimeter punch, scoring and playmaking from the two-guard spot uh, with someone that can slide over and and play some out top, Uh, then Markel Fultz is very attractive. uh, But if it doesn't come down to the needs of a point guard or scoring on the perimeter and you're just looking for a player best available, uh, Josh Jackson intrigues me. Now, I've heard he's struggled in some workouts. I've heard there's some questions about the consistency on his shot. Uh, So uh, I think you have to factor that in again. And that's really what the draft is about, is trying to elevate or improve your team. Uh, Rarely does a player like Shaquille... Tim Duncan, Bill Russell, Elijah Wan, those players come along so often in terms of front-line players. Uh, But it's about finding the right piece or fit uh, the need uh, that a particular team has and also a complementary piece to those other players. And so so much of it's going to come down to what are these particular teams that are drafting at the top uh, need and then looking at this particular draft, the pool of players that are available, uh, because that also dictates to a degree who you take.
6: Steve Lavin, Fox Sports, college basketball analyst. Joining us, Doug Gottlieb, show Fox Sports radio coach, also works for the Pac-12 Network. Why couldn't Markel Fultz elevate his team?
7: Well, I think number one was uh, no one anticipated that DeJounte Murray and Marquise Chris would go out uh, after their first year. So If those two players return, then Washington's probably looking at 25 to 30 wins competing for the Pac-12 championship and making a run in the NCAA tournament. Um, But because of the loss of Murray and Chris, what was left behind uh, was a situation that uh, the young fella wasn't prepared for. And uh, no doubt, you know, that's a factor. And I'm sure people are looking at that and scrutinizing the fact that he wasn't able Uh, to get Washington into the NCAA tournament. but a franchise-changing player. uh, If you look through the history of the game, right, Bird, Magic, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Jason Kidd uh, at Cal, uh, those were players that came in and transformed or at least elevated uh, those programs and and made runs in the NCAA tournament. Magic's case, they won it. And in Bird's case, they're a runner-up. Isaiah uh, obviously won a national title. Jason Kidd took Cal to Sweet 16, knocked off two-time defending national champion Duke uh, at that point. So uh, that, I think, is a factor that I'm sure people look at, but also, in fairness to him, uh, when he played with USA Basketball, uh, they won a gold medal, and uh, he clearly has had success uh, in the years leading up to this freshman year at Washington. But uh, his numbers, his talent, uh, clearly there, and uh, with the right surrounding cast and a good fit, uh, someone that can elevate uh, an NBA team.
6: Um, obviously not just coaching UCLA covering UCLA, understanding uh, Los Angeles, but understanding the point car position. when if I was to say Lonzo Ball is the closest thing to Jason Kidd since Jason Kidd, is that the, is that the wrong comparison? How do you feel about the comparison?
7: Where I do think they're similar is their brilliance in terms of passing the ball, the precision um, and the purpose. Uh, that they play the game with uh, in terms of uh, a functional or purposeful use of the dribble, uh, of the bounce, uh, the economy of the bounce, because so often point guards will take that one extra dribble, massage the ball, and then not hit an open man, or by the time they hit the open man, the defender is closed out. Uh, But like great quarterbacks, uh, point guards, you know, have to give it to you, uh, you know, where you want it, uh, where you're going to be successful, and to put it there on time uh, in terms of efficient offense. And so I think Kidd and Ball are similar in terms of surgical or precision passing uh, on the floor, and their intuitive uh, you know, feel for the game is exceptional. Jason Kidd uh, was physically more stout, and he could impose his will on the game uh, defensively uh, with his physicality and then offensively I think he was tailor-made in terms of the next level uh, for the wear and tear of you know 82 plus games if you're in the in the playoffs and you count the exhibition uh, he just he was a physical specimen he was a, a man playing with boys in college I was almost a varsity versus frost shop or jv situation when he was a cow going up against the rest of the pac 12 and obviously he went on to a hall of fame career but uh with Alonja Ball, my concern, you know, when you compare him to the kid, is that he doesn't have the physical stout strength. Uh, Jason Kidd almost was a football player in high tops, so like a great running back, but out on the floor uh, with handles and skills.
6: Um, obviously covering the Pac-12, Steve Lavin, Pac-12 Network, Fox Sports. Also covering the NCAA Tournament 4 for CBS Sports. Joining us, Doug Gottlieb, show Fox Sports Radio. Um Lowry Markkinen is somebody who apparently Phil Jackson loves. Everyone wants to call him, you know, the Kristaps Perzingis light. He, he struggled kind of towards the stretch run there in the Pac-12, and you were covering the league. What's your assessment of Markkinen and what we can expect from him in, during his rookie contract?
7: Well, I'm a, a big fan of Markkinen. My only concern, we can talk about his strength. because uh, I think they're pretty obvious. My one concern would be his lateral foot speed. And uh, defending, you know, on the perimeter uh, against quicker players, more athletic players, and, and managing, you know, uh, pick and roll, pick and pop situations in the various ways in the NBA uh, that they defend, uh, you know, ball screens. Uh, and so that lateral foot speed, even his foot speed north south from rim to rim, got exposed at times against teams like Oregon, and uh, really. You know, Arizona's lateral foot speed along the front line, all their front line players really struggled in that aspect, and it did catch up to them, even at their loss against Xavier. Um, but what I do like is for a player his size, uh, the ability to shoot the ball, to pass the ball, to see over the top, uh, good instincts. You can slide him inside where he can take smaller players, uh, you know, into the basket area. Uh, he can step away with comfort and a tremendous feel uh, for the game offensively. Uh, there's an ease or a fluidity uh, that he plays the game with. And I think he'll continue to get better. So I would expect him, you know, to be a solid 10-, 12-year pro who's capable of the double-doubles and putting up good numbers and a really good complementary piece if he's right, if he's with the right, uh, you know, team and, and the right surrounding group of players. Um, But there is some concern with his foot speed, uh, both rim-to-rim and laterally from sideline to sideline in terms of picking up the feet, being able to defend uh, on the perimeter.
6: Uh, Let me ask you about uh, a couple of super young players that I know you've seen. Zach Collins, Gonzaga, of course, his stock just skyrocketed up because of their play in the NCAA tournament. And then Justin Patton from Creighton, uh, working for Fox Sports, covering the Big East. If you had to bet your uh, sizable salary – which allows you to travel the world and send out incredible Instagrams from all over the all over the globe. Uh, Steve Lavin, who who's more likely to be the better pro, Justin Patton or uh, or Zach Collins?
7: I go with Patton at this point. Although can't go wrong with either, but the fact Patton picked up the game later uh, in his life and is just now, you know, beginning uh, to get a feel in a sense. He's still growing into his body. And uh, I think he'll continue to to make leaps and bounds as a player, Uh, but you couldn't go wrong with either. Uh, But I'd say, Pat, if you look down the line on the upside, which is so often how the NBA drafts these days, because there's so many young prospects coming out. uh, And as a result, you have to play that projection game. That's what these GMs get paid for, is to look into the crystal ball, do their research, and to the best of their abilities – uh, try and look down the line and how a player will develop. And, uh, that's why often the underclassmen get drafted a- ahead of the uh, juniors or seniors or even fifth-year players who have been around longer. Uh, those players tend to go in the second round.
6: Great stuff, Lav. Uh, you still in San Francisco?
7: Yes, actually, uh, my mom's having some health struggles, so send up a prayer, and uh, we're going to uh, see her through here. So.
6: All right, send my regards, and uh, I look forward to catching up with you in person very, very soon. Thanks for being our guest on Fox Sports Radio.
5: Okay, take care, Doug. All
6: right, that's uh, Steve Lavin.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
6: I'm not sure you're aware, but Phil Jackson signed a contract extension midseason this year. You got him for three more years. Like, imagine if you're a New Yorker right now and you're fed up with the Knicks. You got you got uh, Trump for three and a half and you got Phil Jackson for three. Thank God the Yankees are good. So he ain't going anywhere. But neither are the Knicks in their current status. Terrible contract with Joe Kim Noah. Just awful. Derek Rose, they got Derek Rose, a free agent, and no one is discussing, right? No one is discussing. And so we're left with this. What can the Knicks do? And so Phil Jackson is doing what's absolutely prudent as a general manager. You evaluate your assets and you find out what, what are they worth on the open market. That's actually doing your job as a general manager. Now, that doesn't mean, one, he hasn't traded Perzingis. He simply evaluated what his what the value is. He called Phoenix and said, um... What about Devin Brooks? Right? Because I'm sure the feeling is Devin Brooks, a young star, burgeoning star. Christoph Przingis, a young burgeoning star. And if you can get Devin Brooks, then you can draft a big guy. And you may be further along. It, it's It's not a terrible idea to evaluate what things are worth. It's the same reason that people go to Zillow. You guys know what Zillow is? Now, look, Zillow's not always accurate, and they've been sued in some places or whatever. But there's this thing on Zillow called the make-me-move. You know what the make-me-move is? What you do is you're like, like, I don't want to sell my house. But if somebody wants to give me a million dollars for my house that is probably worth $800,000, goodbye. It's yours, right? Which is all that Phil Jackson is doing. He's created the make-me-move. If the Boston Celtics want to give him the third pick in the draft to which he can pick either Jason Tatum or Josh Jackson, and they want to give him one more, one more player so he can get a young up and coming rookie that he likes, plus he has his own he's his own eighth pick in the draft. Maybe he takes Lowry Market in there. And he can get an established player. If you can get three players for what's Two for if you can get two for one and then potentially see if you could if you can move Carmelo Anthony turn Carmelo Anthony into Kevin love why wouldn't you at least consider it this idea that no one is tradable no one is movable it, it does actually lay, lead credence to what the Cleveland Cavaliers are doing I think it's I think it's with with a couple of people as the exception it's crazy to consider trading Kyrie Irving mostly because of the makeup of the Cleveland Cavaliers, but one of the things that apparently management disagreed with David Griffin, the now former general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers, was over the idea of at least considering trading Kyrie Irving. What's the value for him? What's the value for him? So, look, if you call up Phoenix and you're like, uh, give me Devin Booker and you can have Christoph Porzingis. I don't think that's a crazy ask. And I think that's like a make me move price on your Zillow. You know? And if somebody doesn't want to pay it, then you don't sell it. My wife, on the other hand, she does this like tag sales, like yard sales. She just gives stuff away. I have a set of weights they're polyurethane weights, like the stuff that you like in a weight room, you know. I actually, they're actually Harvard's weights. I couldn't go to Harvard, but I could buy their weights secondhand. So I think I paid it for like 500 bucks for them. I knew the guy who was the dealer who had traded out their weights. So my wife calls me and she's like, and we're set to move cross country. And she's like, well, the movie guys came and they said it's a couple hundred bucks just because these weights are so heavy. So do you want to sell them? I was like, I don't want to sell them. She's like, oh, would well, you go to a gym? I was like, yeah, but it's still, as my son gets older, it's still cool to be able, in a, if I have a nice big garage, to put a little weight room in there, right? A little place where, where we can go do some curls, go take them to the gun show, right? And you don't always have to go to the gym if they're there. Or if I do sell them, like, I want to get a reasonable value for them. So if somebody's willing to pay a certain price, her problem is that she just wears down like, fine. like she, If she had Christoph's Prazingis, she'd be like, oh, you don't want to give me the number three pick? Fine, give me Jay Crowder and I'm good. She just gets worn down by the whole negotiations of it. So I know it's very easy to criticize Phil Jackson. Super easy. He hasn't always said the right thing, and hiring Derek Fisher and, frankly, Jeff Hornacek might not have been the right thing. And he's fought with Carmelo Anthony, who, look, Carmelo Anthony was a pain in the ass long before Phil Jackson ever got there. Derrick Rose was an odd fit that they took a one year flyer on. I would encourage them not to renew unless it was at like half of a max contract so you can get a starting point guard on the cheap. Like that's the only reason you do it. But in this particular case, listing your house for sale on a make new move price, not crazy. Kind of smart.
5: Kind of smart. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
6: So Steph Curry this offseason can sign a deal, which is like the Supermax, right? What is it? It's over $200 million, isn't it, uh, Rhyme Music? Do you know the exact figure? I want to to the penny. Gross. Not net. I'm I'm kidding about it to the penny. I I th- I I want to say it's 202 million dollars. That's, that's what I want to say. If not, sounds really good. If I missed it by a couple million, what's a couple million among friends, right? So we all know that one of the reasons that this all came together, that they were able to have the cap room to sign Kevin Durant last year, is that Steph Curry was wildly underpaid because he was operating under a second contract, and when he negotiated that second contract, it was in his third year in the NBA after. His, Uh, I think four is fourth year in the NBA. So it's five year, $210 million. Five years, $210 million. That's an average of over $40 million. Correct? My math, right? And then that's a lot of money. So I, I guess here's what this is. I get that Steph didn't make as much as he could have over the last four years over his two MVP years. And so maybe some of this is the evening at the scale. But why why is it incumbent upon Kevin Durant to take $3, 4000000 million less to sign Andre Iguodala? Like, this is where teams go bad. Like, if Steph Curry loves playing with Kevin Durant, speaking of credit cards, it's like, when you throw out a card and the other guy, no, you, no, no, you, no, you, I got it, I got it, I got it. You start fighting, yeah, wrestling, you become best friends, and then you start punching each other out because you want to pay for the bill. As your wife said, don't let him pay. And what do you do? What are you supposed to do when a bill comes? You, you may go out with your buddy and his three kids and his wife, and it's you and your wife, but what are you supposed to do, Ramos? What's the proper etiquette there? Take, grab the bill. Take the bill what? first, right? But if he insists, like, no, 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 I'm not going to let you. You both kind of insist. What do you do? You split it, right? Okay, you split it. I don't get big, and you deals. don't. Well, you don't split it, and you don't. You don't split it and go like, okay, well, you have five kids, you have five people, and I have two people, you know, and I didn't order drinks, and you order drinks. Like, no, you don't. Like, you don't get caught up in that stuff. You just split it. Split it. We split it. We split it. Right? You're like, ah, you you feel like a big dog. You kind of picked up some of his bill. He doesn't feel bad. Like, you weren't, like, showing him up. Like, you make more money than him. Like, you just, it's good. We're fine. Like, just split it. And then continue the dinner conversation. You know? Which, if you have kids around, it's usually, or if you don't, it's usually about kids. Or about somebody else who's getting a divorce, getting married, cheating on their spouse. All right, you're just gossiping. But don't do it. Just split it. Why don't the Warriors split it? Like the, if the whole and again I'm I hate spending other people's money or costing other people money, but wouldn't it make sense? Like if Kevin Durant is the best player on the Golden State Warriors and he's the difference in the Warriors winning this championship and not winning the championship, we could all agree on that, right? He's clearly the difference. D- even if you don't, even I'm not trying to diminish the importance of Steph. They also don't win without Steph, and they don't win it without Clay. But don't you set a great precedent for the rest of the team if you go like, look, I could be making forty, nearly forty-one million dollars guaranteed per year, but I can't spend forty-one million dollars guaranteed per year. He's got the deal with Express Clothes, right? He's got a deal with uh, Under Armour, huge deal with Under Armour. He's got all these other kind of deals. What's the new one he just he just signed on to? Degree. So he has all these deals. They're side deals. He's going to make $50 million anyway. Why don't you say, like, I can make 40, but I'm watching what's happening to the Cavs where they're capped out. They're, they're topped out cap wise. I'll make 30. Set a five year deal for $150 million. I can't spend $30 million
5: a year. Be sure to catch live editions of The Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
6: There's like a whole different level of what LeBron seems to be doing in Cleveland. LeBron talks about, tweets about, does interviews about the Godfather. And um, last night, David Griffin was uh, officially parted ways with the Cavaliers organization. And LeBron, I don't know if he was subtweeting the owner, Dan Gilbert, or whether he simply keep making sure the world knew that his hands were not dirty, right? I did not commit this crime. I don't know nothing. I don't know anything about the murder downtown officer. I'm simply a small businessman, a small family businessman. He sounded like Michael or Vito Corleone. And I do, I feel like at some point he's going to go up to uh, Pat Riley and kiss him on the mouth and, I knew it was you all along, Fredo. Right? Or maybe he does it to Dan Gilbert. I don't know. The point is, this dude loves the Godfather. People come in. They got to kiss the ring. He's got all his guys. He's got his consigliere, Rich Paul, who just happens to be the agent for, like, everybody else on the team. He's got Maverick Carter. Like, he's got all these different business interests. And he's completely gone legit. He's completely legit, but last night there was a murder in Cleveland. David Griffin's career was oft ended, finished, and LeBron James' first thing he said was he had an alibi. I always, I always appreciate you, even if no one else did. He wants to be the Godfather.
0: I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart.
6: So, uh, <laughs> so here's the question. I kind of know where Ramos is going to go. You got to pick a movie character that you ha- either have found yourself wanting to be, or you would you would really like to emulate, like in your everyday life. If I could be that guy, I, I already know who who mine is, but uh, I want to hear yours. Uh, let's start with you, Ryan. Music. Who is it?
0: I'm gonna go with Bradley Cooper. Yeah. In- I mean, I, I mean well, hold on. I
6: want to be Bradley Cooper.
0: Okay. <laughs> Uh, Bradley Cooper, in the movie Limitless. So Eddie Mora is his name in the movie
6: a limitless where he he takes the pill and That's then right. and then he he he, he has-
0: so yeah, the the it goes back to that idea that we only use a small portion of our brain, mm-hmm. and so there's this pill out there that unlocks the rest of your brain. so he becomes like super smart. He reinvents his life. he becomes like this like stock market guru guy who makes all this money. There's some other like, sketchy things that he kind of gets involved with and then at the end uh spoiler alert you end up finding out that his brain becomes so advanced he doesn't even have to take the pill anymore to be super smart so Hmm.
6: he did spoil for me because i know the movie, but haven't seen the movie? Thank no, you. I haven't seen it. Was, uh, I appreciate it. I, but, yeah, it's, been,
0: it's been out since
4: 2011, I, so I, that's got it. on it's you it's guys. Six, it's <laughs> six years old. That's there on is, you guys. There
6: is something funny, though, about, like, if, you, if you've if you ever, and people go through this, if you ever come out of a movie, like, if I went and saw Limitless, and I came back, like, I wanted to talk about it with you, like, we've all seen it, Doug. We saw it six years ago. I still, I <laughs> want to talk about this movie. No, but it was so good. It was good. so good. It was so damn good. Uh, Alright, so you want to be the lead character from Limitless. That, Eddie Mora. Eddie, you want to be Eddie Mora. Yeah, that's right. All right, what about you? I, 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 there's got to be some sort of Star Wars reference, Ramos. Is that who you want to there be?
2: There is, and it's not Darth Vader. It's
6: Luke Skywalker because Luke— Luke's whiny. Oh, forget about that. The point is that—I'm <laughs>
0: not whiny, but the, forget about it. The point is that he has a lot of light side in him, but as we're finding out now, there's some dark side as well.
6: Oh, there's There is dark. Yeah. There's There is definitely dark. I would have thought like Han Solo would have been more— too, like a He's swash- too cocky,
0: for me. He's a like bit too, I'm not that. Type, I'm not very cocky like that. There's
6: a dark side to you. Isn't there a dark side to everybody? I, I apparently. <laughs> Appa- apparently, that's apparently. what makes it interesting and unique. Um, Bayer, what about you? Oh, uh, how about Ferris Bueller? No. Yeah. Ah, yeah, go. that's good. yeah. About yeah. time. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah, but yeah, but as an adult, could you really get away with being Ferris Buell? Let's it's kind of there's another there was a character, a college character. Ferris Buell was the high school version. Van Wilder, because it was it was also Ryan Reynolds, right? Like who wouldn't want to be Ryan Reynolds? I, I would. Ryan Reynolds would be. But but why Ferris Buell? Like how would you how that he lives his life would you want to live your life if you could?
4: Well, I like how he is uh cool, how he everybody at school likes him. You know, he's the he's
7: the cool kid. He seems pretty carefree. Gets the girl, you know, yeah. has the has the Sloan. the
4: cute girl. Yeah. Sloan. Yeah. And uh and uh can get away with it and be smooth at the end. Uh,
6: great John Hughes movie, good reference. I'm I'm good with it. Mine would actually be Alec Baldwin's character in Glen Gary Glen Ross. Right? The coffee is for closers, you know? A, B, C, always be closing. Always be closing. Attention, do I have your attention? Uh, you, you, know what, you know what second place is? Gus, do you know what second place is? Gus the intern. Do you know what it is? Second place is a set of steak Take a knives. Take a Gus. Take a Gus. Yes. <laughs> second place is a set of steak knives. You know what third place is, Gus? Third place, you're fired. First prize is a Cadillac. Second prize is steak knives. Third prize is you're fired.
4: Put that coffee down.
6: Like, Coffee's for closers right? only. Like that's who I I, I want to be. That coffee is for closers. Yeah, you, know, you see that you see that car over there. You see this watch. This watch costs more than how much you made all of last year. That's my name. It's so good. So I I get that LeBron wants to be Don Corleone Probably Michael more more Michael Corleone. Officer. I got nothing to do with what happened in Cleveland. I always liked the guy. I had no problem with David Griffin. But if the Don said, if Don Corleone said, nobody touches him, right? Nobody touches David Griffin. You hear me? Okay, this is from Don Corleone himself. Nobody touches David Griffin. You touch David Griffin, you got a problem with me. You understand? If that would have happened... David Griffin's career would still be alive today. Instead, he sprawled out in the
0: streets in Cleveland. Chalk outline.
4: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C.,